church that plants a church. And so TTI is committed to the unreached world. Predominantly, all that we do are to UPGs or an unreached people group. And so to give you an idea of, of uh, really the TTI significant niche that we have in the missional world today, let's watch. The unreached world, more than 3 billion people. They have no church bells or church choirs, no Christmas carols, no decorating Christmas trees or opening presents on Christmas morning, no Easter egg hunts, no Easter dresses, no Good Fridays, no raised on the third day, no conquering death, no he is risen. There's no God is love or God so loved. There's no forgiveness of sins, no by grace through faith, no pastors, no church, no Bible study after work, no Bibles, no Christians, no Jesus. And so they wait. They wait for someone to tell them, just like the generations before them. But for many, the wait is over. Disciple makers around the world are serious about finishing the task that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago to reach every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. Places that never had a church in their history now have a body of believers who share with others about Jesus because no one should live without hearing that God is love and God so loved and he will come again. I don't know if you know, but there is a statistic that is out there that 41% of the world's population, which is representing a little over three and a half billion people, are considered unreached. The unreached world is really characterized by the, this statement. It's not that people are rejecting Jesus. They just don't know who he is. 41%, and, and you think about a massive number, like 3.5 billion people, and, and I don't know about you, but that's overwhelming. I can't get my head around the magnitude of that number, and yet every person that is in that population, just like you, has a story. Just like us that are gathered here tonight are in need of Christ, and yet these people are desperate to be introduced to the one who can change a life forever. So TTI is committed to disciples who make disciples who make disciples, churches that plant churches that plant churches. And as I said, we work predominantly among unreached people groups. Now, how many of you know what an unreached people group is? Would you raise your hand? So you're familiar that 2% or less of a demographic either have access to the gospel or would be considered evangelical. And so TTI is working with uh, 1,392 or 349 people groups, unreached people groups that are desperate for the good news of the gospel. It's called good news for a reason, isn't it? It's good news. It brings life, not just the abundant life and the fulfilling life here in this earth, 
but it provides for us an everlasting life with the one who gave his life so willingly for us. But I want to give you a number, 154,937. Now, if my wife were here, she'd say, Dale, move on from the numbers, okay? Move on from the statistics. But this number, I want you to say it with me. Ready? 154,937. That is the number of people that die every day from within that 41% of the world that is considered unreached. That's the number of people that are entering in to a Christless eternity. And so as we think about the reality of, of those statistics, I want us to, to look at this next slide here because as we move through this, the Timothy Initiative is founded on 2 Timothy 2.2. And I think most of you are familiar with that verse, but very few people ever look at this verse, and my phone just died on me. Isn't that lovely? But very few people look at this verse as a discipleship model. But Paul said to Timothy, that which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men, faithful men who will teach others also. And as we think about that model of discipleship, it reminds us of the significance that, that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven in Acts 1.8. He said, but you shall receive power. After you receive power, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be, you will be my what? My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we would say that that verse gives us a strategy for being disciple makers here in Blue Springs, near, I'll just say Kansas City, and far. A comprehensive missional strategy to get the good news of the gospel to every people everywhere. Just a couple more slides, and, and we'll wrap this up. I asked Pastor Tom at lunch today to show me where the trap door was, so if I went too long, I could make sure I stayed away from that. But on the next slide, it's, it's a kingdom impact slide. Or, yeah, and I think the video is right after this, yeah. So on this kingdom impact, now this is scary. This is a scary slide to share with people that know very little about TTI because the numbers are outrageous. They're audacious. But TTI, what you have been a part of is planting 122,000 plus churches in the last 15 years what TTI has been in existence. But the reality is a lot of people say, well, Dale, what's a church? How would you define a church? It's not a building, right? The church is who? Us, right? We as believers. And so the definition of a church is where believers gather together. They worship the Father. They study the Word. They pray. They fellowship together. As they understand them and are taught, they partake of the ordinances, right? Communion and baptism. They're sent out to be disciple makers, and it's always, always under the authority of a biblically qualified leader. That's your pastor. Those are, are your pastors, right? Biblically qualified who are always under the banner and lordship of Christ. But here's a number I want you to look at. I want you to look at this widows and orphans impacted. TTI is building into the churches that are being planted into their DNA, James 1.27, the care of widows and orphans. And so we are impacting as a missional group that are not sending out missionaries, but we are training up and raising indigenous missionaries. 
indigenous leaders, indigenous pastors who are changing the landscape of heaven by reaching the people that are in UPGs in their language and in their culture, and they are caring for widows and orphans in their villages and communities without one penny coming from the U.S. Churches are being encouraged and trained and equipped to be the church. Now, as we talk about churches, real quick, I just want to say one thing. So when we plant a church, we train up a church planter. And that training lasts for two years. The training is equivalent to a Bible Institute education for two years. We train a church planter. They plant a church. And that, all of that happens for $400. And Pastor Tom, at some point, will communicate more along those lines with you. But the reality is... When we raise up those who live among their people, it changes the dynamic of how the gospel gets to every people everywhere. This video will summarize everything that I've said. Let's watch. I'd like to tell you a story, a story about what happens when people meet Jesus, an actual account of disciples making disciples. This is Samuel. He's just an average guy from Myanmar until God gets a hold of Samuel's life. Then his life goes from ordinary to extraordinary. He surrenders his life to Christ, joins TTI, and the domino effect begins. Samuel leads Nanda to Christ, and Nanda joins TTI and leads Sai to Christ. You get the idea. Now when we first met Sai, he was a monk who studied from childhood to become a Buddhist missionary. His plans were thwarted when a witch doctor placed a curse on him. Sai knew how to cast spells as well, but nothing he did worked. He was cursed and no power was strong enough to break it. Then Nanda introduced him to Christ, whose power freed him and saved him. The man who was once a Buddhist missionary is now a TTI leader who trains disciple makers to reach his nation for Christ. Disciple makers like Aya. Sai led Aya to Christ, who led Lonlon to Christ, who led Sandy to Christ. Sandy knew she had to share the gospel with Maya. Maya was a widow with three young children. She worked tirelessly from dawn until dusk to provide for her family, but still barely made enough to survive. She felt life wasn't worth living until Sandy told her about Jesus. She gave her life to Christ, but when her community found out, they mistreated her and chased her out of the village. But not even that could stop Maya from telling others about Jesus. So when she met Shine, she led her to Christ. All these new believers joined TTI and became disciple makers. When Shine got the gospel, she gave it to Amala. Amala knew her brother Cain needed Jesus and she knew just where to find him because he'd been living in a cave for more than 20 years. There in his cave he meditated and burned incense, offering prayers and mantras. There he stayed until Amala showed him to Christ. He came out of the cave and began following Jesus. Now he's a TTI church planter. Kayin went on to lead Zenji to Christ, who led Khan to Christ. For those keeping track, that's 12. 12 disciples who made disciples who made disciples in Myanmar.
And it's not just happening in Myanmar. It's happening all around the world. This is a story of disciples making disciples. This is the story of how we get the gospel to everyone, everywhere. I just want to share two last slides and we can kind of skip over. Uh, let's see. If you go to that next slide. Yeah, that's the one I want. We're going to just wrap up with this one and then just a very simple one. But how do we do this? How do we get the gospel to every people, every place? As we pray. We pray, we ask God to give us open doors, a person of peace, to direct our pastors and our church planters to those who desperately need to hear the good news of the gospel. And then we map out the harvest field. I, in this white book, there is a mapping strategy that we are engaging in 31 countries and please pick these up, because if you don't, then I have to get them back home somehow. So the goal is to get rid of all of these, right? But this will give you the history of TTI, who we are, and what we're doing. But the last thing I want to share this last slide is that we have an international prayer team. And this international prayer team is really important for us. We are in 16 of the top 30 persecuted countries in the world where it costs them something to follow Jesus. Here, we have this idea of easy believism. It doesn't cost us much to follow Jesus. But where TTI is engaging and where are other missionaries here, and I'm so blessed to, to be a part of, of their network of what God is doing in them and through them and through their missionary organizations as we work in kingdom-building efforts, it costs people to follow Jesus in these countries. They're persecuted. Their homes are burnt. We don't build buildings because where we work among the Muslims, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the animist world, they'll be burned down or blown up within a matter of weeks. And so we go where the gospel is desperately needed, where people are longing for Christ, even though they don't know who Jesus is yet, right? So this prayer card is on, the, on my table outside in the, in the lobby. And all I'm asking is for your name and email, and then there's a perforated tear. I just want your name and email if you're interested in being a part of the prayer team. And what that means is you'll get an e-blast at least once, probably twice a month with prayer requests directly from the field that you can pray for. And then we ask you to do something very simple. Read it, pray over it, and delete it. Because of the security issues in the countries where we work, we ask that you never share uh, those prayer requests uh, out in any form of social media. It's that serious of where the gospel needs to go and is going. And so as you look at that, if you would fill that out and give that to me, wouldn't it be great to have, it doesn't cost you anything to be a part of the prayer team, but it will cost you some commitment time of investing uh, before the Lord your heart for those who are in desperate need of the gospel. Thanks for letting me share with you. It's, again, it's just a, an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Lord. Dale, thank you. What a blessing. That is a really good ROI on your kingdom investment right there, isn't it? <laughs> thank you, Father. Well, my name is Rob Black. I kind of got uh, ambushed by the Lord when I was about 12 or 13. 
I've been a worshiper and a follower of him since about that time. And uh, then later on down the road, I was a junior in, in college. I was attending the Urbana Mission Convention in Champaign, Illinois, Urbana 76. There we go. Were you there, Dale? <laughs> okay, didn't make that one. All right. And uh, I heard the call to the nations. And I'd been preparing for pastoral ministry. I'd led a bunch of my friends to the Lord in high school and was just excited about seeing people come to the Lord and grow up in Him. And uh, yeah, in the midst of that, um, recognized that there's a great need in the world. But the need isn't the call. The call has to come from the Lord, doesn't it? We spend time just responding to need our whole life. We'll quickly burn out and lose our strength and our resources. But the Lord is interested in raising up a family, a prayerful family on mission, right? Who goes from strength to strength and glory to glory. Who discerns his will and acts in the obedience that comes from faith. Kind of Romans 1.5. The obedience that comes from faith. Obedience-based discipleship. That reproduces, right? Healthy families reproduce, right? And what we're reproducing is hope for faith to rise among the lost, right? And so we extend our lives in these blessed rhythms. Are you familiar with the blessed rhythms beginning in prayer? B, beginning in prayer. L, listening and learning about the lost that you're relating to. E, we eat together. We actually fellowship. We share our lives. The first S is to serve, right? To serve them and to serve with them as there's opportunity. Do you invite your non-Christian friends to come serve with you along the way? Learn about the heart of Jesus. And finally, the last S, story. Your story about how you came to Christ and the story of Jesus himself, right? The stories of the word. Right, and so we repeat those blessed rhythms over and over again. How many of you are praying and relating to non-Christian friends right now? Right now in your world. They're in your neighborhood. They're at work with you. Right, maybe you volunteer at a location somewhere in town. You're helping um, immigrants or refugees learn English in your community. Engaging them and over the, in the course of your friendship as you pray for them, listen to them. Share meals and time with them. Serve them. And share your story with them. Just the way Jesus is feeding you. What's the manna you're getting today? Right? You're breaking holy bread with them. And faith is released. Right? And then the stories of the word. So we're increasing biblical fluency along the way. Right? Do you have... A couple dozen Jesus stories in your head ready to go when they're relevant to the conversation you're in? You know, for, if we're going to reach our Jerusalem, we need to be prepared. And ask the Lord to open up the door for opportunities for us, like it says in Colossians 4, 2 through 6, right? Open those doors, Lord. Open my eyes to see them. Don't let me miss these opportunities. And let them bear fruit for your kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom. Right? That's what we're called to do. We love him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We love our neighbors ourselves. 
And we seek first his kingdom all along the way. And guess what? He says, you seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. All these things. You want to know how to find a wife? Seek first the kingdom. (laughs) Right? You want to know how to find out what the Lord's made you for? To discern and um, confirm your own calling? Seek first the kingdom. Our good father. We have a really, really good father. He's really, really good. No, he's, he's really good. And you know, our obedience is limited by how good we think he is, isn't it? If we don't believe he's very good, we're, we're always holding back a little bit. We're a little cautious. Not sure we're going to get the good end of this thing. So the Lord is always working in the missionaries. He's always working in the church. He's always working to grow us up into the image of Christ. I love the song we said. We said shine. You know, one of the things that we get is we look into the face of Jesus. It's Jesus himself. He is our very great reward. Hallelujah. Are we satisfied in him? You know, Paul writes... Contentment with godliness is of great gain. Oh, can you be content and godly at the same time, regardless of what your circumstances are? I remember a time in my life, I'd been on the mission field, a successful missionary, led led a number of Muslims to Christ, laid foundations for churches in, in North Africa. The Lord called us home. Served on a pastoral staff for a number of years. Got transitioned into working with refugees and immigrants with United Way agencies downtown. As a program manager. Did that for a number of years. After 9-11, all the monies for those programs dried up. And I found myself for the first time looking to heaven and saying, Gee, I wonder, wonder what I'm going to do, Lord. A brother came by and offered me a job. I helped him start a business that went real well. He paid me kind of as a consultant for about eight months. I said, well, this is, this is working anyway. All along the way, we're just releasing little churches, house churches along the way. Part of, part of big churches like this, and then always gathering, discipling, counseling, building marriages, right? Prayerful families on mission. So... I know I'm kind of meandering a little bit. I'm doing this because I kind of want you to get to know me just a little bit. I'm, I got grafted into Hope for Ishmael three years ago. And it was a wonderful grafting. And you guys have been supporting Hope for Ishmael for some time. And thank you for that. Some of you have traveled with Hope for Ishmael into the Middle East. How many of you have gone, traveled here? Yeah. Just one or two right now, right? So... But Hope for Ishmael began about 20 years ago through the ministry of the Abu Sa'ada family. Taysir Abu Sa'ada was a Muslim who was a, an assassin for Yasser Arafat and uh, found himself in the United States, married to a nice Catholic girl. And just working a job here in the United States for 20 years. He wasn't looking for God. He didn't want God. And the Lord just ambushed him one day and knocked him on his knees. And after he'd seen this vision of Jesus, he got up and said, Okay, 
What must I do to follow him? And so Tass and his family have been sowing into ministries in the Middle East ever since. Ever since they're, after they kind of passed through their early years of discipleship. And so for 20 years they've been sowing into the Middle East. And there's in Bethlehem, in Jericho, and in the Gaza Strip, there are believers and ministries today that are thriving on their own because of the life and sacrifice of the Abu Sa'adas. And so we thank them. Now, in this season, Tass, I don't know, you know, as a first-generation Muslim believer, 20 years a Muslim married, before he came to Christ, our dear brother brought a lot of, garb, a lot of baggage with him, right? That, he had, that the Lord had to, has been, he's been releasing over the years as he's been walking. And the Lord has him in a sovereign season right now for some special healing and some special growth, right? And so we want to pray for Tass, Taysir Abu Saad, and pray for his family, right? But the ministry continues. So three years ago, Actually, it was five years ago when the Lord removed them off out of the Middle East and called them back to the United States. And the Lord put a vision in Tass's heart that said, Tass, the American church loves me, but they don't have a clue how to love their Muslim neighbors. Will you help them? And Tass and the family said, yeah, we'd love to, Lord. How do we, how do, we do that? So they took the experiences that they had and they prayed and they networked for a couple of years. And someone introduced me to Tass in a coffee shop. <laughs> and we had kind of a divine encounter. And out of that came an invitation to join Hope for Ishmael. And so I've been working with Muslims for over 40 years. Uh, internationally and here in the States. And I've been... I, I coach missionaries with a group called All Nations in about seven countries of the world. Romania, where some of you guys are thinking about going, right? And London, and Indonesia, and Germany, where there's so many refugees. Missionary church planners who are there right now. And so my wife and I, we coach marriages and ministries on the field for young couples who are laying down their lives to see the gospel grow. Churches planted among Muslims right now. And I was in a transition a number of, right about this time I met Tass. And the Lord said to me, Rob, from now on, you're just working for me. And I thought, well, that sounds really good, Lord. How are we going to do that? And when I met Tass, he said, Rob, I need, my whole team is Muslim background believers. I need one American on the team. Will you come and be that guy, you and your wife? Will you come and help us? And so I, we had been, my wife and I had been praying around the city in the Kansas City metro in different communities, asking the Lord what Muslim population area he wanted us to move into. And the Lord, so even before we found out where we were going to go, as we prayed with our church and with the mission, we felt a release to say, okay, we're going to be released from all nations, join TAS and Hope for Ishmael, and help build a vision for equipping the church for ministry using kind of best practices like they're using in the Timothy Initiative, right? To reach the least reached, the unengaged of the, of the nations. And how do we reach 
the Muslim communities here in the United States. So I said, look, I'm not interested in teaching something. I'm not obeying myself, right? Patty and I have kind of always had that attitude. So we spent the 80s overseas. We had our kids in three languages on three continents. They're all grown now with their own kids, with their hair on fire for Jesus in their own worlds. And uh, we, have, we have eight grandchildren now. Thank you, Lord. Now we're praying for them. <laughs> and in Olathe, we've been engaging with an Algerian Berber community. So um, it just turns out that there are 5,000 Algerian Berber Muslims in Olathe. What? Yeah, they have a lottery over there. And because unemployment is so high, if you have a college degree, you can sign up for the lottery, and 200 households, 200 individuals and their household, are immigrated to Kansas every year. And they've been doing it for like 14 years. And they've also been sending immigrants to California and on the East Coast to Philadelphia. And the cost of living and the job opportunities are so good here in the Midwest. People are moving from the coasts inland and the community continues to swell. In the midst of that, the Lord has raised up a first-generation church of Muslim believers here of about 32 believers. Last year, we saw 10 Muslims come to Christ in Olathe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And these are just the first fruits. These are just the first fruits. And through a network that we have in Lead with Love, we have an eight-week internship that's based on a 10-month internship that we use to train missionaries long-term. Uh, the Timothy Project has a two-year two internship, right, for their church planners, right? And so we initiate with a 10-month. And for you guys, we've boiled, it, we've boiled it down to two months, right? Pretty good, huh? Not too bad. And so there's a little green card on the table out there. Um, the green card is for our, the app that we have for Hope for Ishmael that kind of tells you about what we're doing currently here in the United States. Because just like we have a church here in Olathe, we have one in Los Angeles, we have one in Peoria, Illinois, and we have others in Embryo around the country. Muslims are coming to Christ. And their households. We're not interested in extraction evangelism. We want the whole family, right? So pray for the family. Don't do this thing. You know, the Somalis in Kansas City are afraid of the church because just like they are a motorcycle gang. What? Yeah. You know why? Because if their son or daughter becomes a Christian, they don't see them again. Right? They're, they're taken from the family. <laughs> but if the whole family comes to Christ, right, and they become the foundation of the church among the Somalis, oh, that's a whole different thing. Right? And it's real important for Muslims, for kids to honor their parents. Right? And so we don't want to undermine that in the way we preach the gospel. Right? So, I want to close with a story. One of the converts, um, Fatima and Karim came to the Lord last year and were baptized. Karim 
they have two, two little children, Aguilas and Numidia. And uh, Karim came down with cancer. He was baptized in June and went to be with the Lord in December. Fatima is by herself now with two small kids. And we're loving on her. And she's growing in the Lord. She's been grieving over the loss of her husband naturally. They had a really good marriage. And uh, she's been up at night and afraid. And in the midst of that, um, we were lining up some special grief counseling for her through some Christian counselors. And we'd been praying for her. And my wife meets with her regularly. But the Lord stepped in. And three weeks ago, Fatima comes to church. The Algerian Berbers are meeting right now, the same time we are tonight. They meet for three hours on Sunday night. That's their normal church service. And I lost my voice, I think. Am I alive? I'm alive. I am alive. Glory. There is a resurrection. And my voice has now been resurrected. Okay. So, anyway, so... The Lord came to her in a dream. And Fatima was looking down like this at the ground. And the, and the Holy One came and took her face in his hands and drew it up to her. And he said, from now on, you just look at me. And she said, when he did this, all my grief went away. And I was filled with peace and joy. The Holy One is coming and releasing his shalom to the lost today. We get to be midwives in the process. He does all the work. He releases the life. And it's all by grace from first to last. There's a Muslim woman. Her name is Nubilia. Like Karim, she's, in her, she's just in her 30s. She has two small children. And uh, two weeks ago, Marzouk, one of the Algerian believers, an elder and I, went to the hospital to pray for her. Marzouk had had a dream. And in this dream, he saw a real dirty glass. And the glass was supposed to be rinsed out and washed so that fruit could be in it. And so he rinsed, in the dream, he rinsed it out the first time and it was still filthy. And so he rinsed it out a second time and it was better, but it wasn't ready for fruit. And so he rinsed it out a third time and then he saw it. It was full of fresh figs. And we felt that the Spirit was saying, pray for this woman, pray for Nubilia. And so Marzouk went by himself and prayed for the family. And then she was put into the hospital. And he and I went. And, and Marzouk, you don't know him, but he's a flaming evangelist. So every time he goes, he shares the gospel in detail. It kind of begins with Genesis. <laughs> you know, I'm like, really, Marzouk? Are you going to? Yeah. And so he goes. Through, and it's normal about two to, two to three hours, you know, of sharing. And a lot of tea. And anyway. But anyway, they heard the gospel, Right. Now she's in the hospital. We go to the hospital. And while we're waiting on the Lord before we go, we're kind of feeling like forgiveness is the key. So we invited her both to receive forgiveness and release forgiveness. And we, and we shared the, the story of the, you know, the ruler uh, who had the servants who owed him a lot of money. Right? The king who had a servant owed him a lot of money. Come in. Pay now. And the guy says, I can't pay. Have mercy on me. Right? And so we shared that story about forgiveness because... He wouldn't forgive one who owed him so little. And out of that, she began to weep. And we, we just encouraged her, you know, as we forgive, we get healthy. 
and we have to forgive that we might be forgiven, right? That's in the heart of the Lord's Prayer. And so as we share this, Nubilia's in, the, in bed in the hospital, and she's just weeping. Now, the Algerian community knew that she was dying of cancer, so they gathered together 200 Algerian men, and they took an offering and raised, in two hours, $36,000. And they sent the family back to Algeria to die. And that's where she is today, in the hospital in Algeria. But church, they paid for her death, but Jesus paid for her life. And so I want us to just join in prayer right now for Nubilia. And say, Lord, will you save her? And Lord, will you heal her? And Lord, will you be glorified in her life? And even if you take her, Lord, be glorified among the Berbers and here and in Algeria. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right. All right. So, you know, stay standing. Stay standing. You don't want to miss this. Okay. So, man, you all know, uh, boy, the Zambia kids, the ministry in Africa, all the probably the, the largest supported ministry in this church for so many years. What an honor tonight. We have Pastor McDonald from Zambia, Africa here with us. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give you a little backstory on, on, on McDonald. McDonald wants to, he came to know Jesus Christ in July of 68. Uh, upper room, you, you'd appreciate this. Are, did they do a good job tonight or what? The singing? Praise the Lord. So when, when, he was, when he was a youth, he led a, a singing group called the Golden Voice Quartet. Man, brother, you're holding out on it. Uh, in a local Baptist church. During these days, he was very involved in youth work at his church with the singing group where he traveled both in and out of Zambia. From 85 to 2001, he worked with various secular jobs. But in 2001, he had a calling to go to Bible, Bible school and decided to resign from where he he was working, and he joined uh, the North Star Bible Institute under GCMS. And some of those guys are here tonight. Where are they at? But North Star Bible Institute in Kafula Futa, uh, mission station in the Copper Belt. After three years, he graduated with a bachelor's degree in theology. While he was earning his degree, he was pastoring a Baptist church there, not far from the institute. When he graduated church, they asked him to be their full-time pastor, where he would go on to pastor for 13 years. During his pastoral period, McDonald was elected vice chairman of GCMS, later elected chairman of GCMS. He served as chairman for 17 years. 2019, he was appointed director of restoration ministry under GCMS. And then, you know, we called him out of retirement, y'all. So Pastor McDonald started helping the Bible Baptist churches in Lusaka and discipleship and doctrine until his calling to Nikonde, where he would help lead Good Tidings Christian School and Ministries, where he is currently. McDonald met his wife, Margaret, in 75. They were happily married for 44 years. Margaret passed away July 5th, 2020. She had uh, worked as a school teacher where she would retire as head teacher of what we would call a principal Together, they had seven children, four boys, three girls, 23 grandchildren. Pastor McDonald, we love you, man. Come on up and preach to us. Hallelujah. You guys be praying for McDonald. 
So you're going to have to listen fast. You're going to have to listen fast. We, we're, we're, running, we're running a little behind tonight, but McDonald, we love you and welcome. Thank you, Pastor. It is indeed my pleasure and honor to be here today. Um, Pastor Tom has uh, already uh, given my testimony of my faith in the Lord. Um, I want to thank um, Harvest Baptist Church in the first place and uh, the pastor of this church, Ellen, and also uh, Tom, um, and the entire church for making it possible for me to be here today. It is because of your giving that I'm here today. If you didn't give, I wasn't going to be here today. <laughs> and therefore, um, that's why God is asking us to be partakers of his ministry. So I want just to share with you quickly um, about the ministry in Akonde and uh, just to bring to our attention as a church how much you have been a blessing to Nakonde East, which is a good tidings Christian school in Nakonde. Uh, Nakonde is in the northern province of Zambia, in Muchinga province. We are, a town is a, a neighbor with Tanzania, and uh, uh, they speak uh, Namwanga, is the language and Bemba in that area. Nakonde, um, Good Tidings Christian School, Nakonde East, I think uh, uh, um, Harvest Baptist Church started supporting it, I think, in 2015. I don't know, John, if you, you, you'd remember that. Yeah, 2016, yeah. Um, up to, to date, you are still a supporting the church, I mean the school. Um, and therefore, I'm here today just to confirm to you that uh, without you, without this church, hundreds and hundreds of children in Nakonde wouldn't have an opportunity to go to school. You're supporting the feeding program has real brought life in those children. If you saw the clip of the song they, they were singing, they, 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 there was a, uh, a Bemba uh, language in that, in that song. Simply they were saying, God, you picked us from nowhere. You know, you, you picked us from, from, from poverty and made us who we are today. It's because of you that we are who we are today. That's what the kids were singing in that song. So, Harvest Baptist Church, you picked these children from nowhere. They had nothing to eat. We have more of them from uh, broken homes, uh, some are from... Uh, their mothers passed on, their fathers passed on, their orphans, 
and some are from the poor families. But every day from Monday to Friday, we feed them with the money that you send. And I've, I've come to assure you that every dollar is accounted for. It goes to the intended purpose to take care of the children. And Nakonde East have scored good uh, uh, results at grade 7 because of what is going on in the program. Um, we have a total number of 172 pupils from grade 1 to grade 7. And um, we had about 14 members, members, uh, members of staff, 11 teachers, and 3 general workers. But um, about two months ago, the government was recruiting about 30,000 teachers, and therefore I lost four of my best teachers who went and joined the government. Because the government, is obviously, they are offering them good money, big money. And... Uh, well, there's nothing that we could have done, but just to say thank you, Lord. Uh, but they were great teachers. They gave, they gave us good results at grade 7. Um, out of the last year, 18 children that sat for the exam, all of them came out with Division 1. All of them scored 1, Division 1. Excellent 100% passing mark. Amen. The year before last year, we had, we had uh, there were uh, 16 that wrote an exam, and all of them 16 graduated to grade 8 with 100% passing. It's all about you, Harvest Baptist Church. Without your giving, I couldn't have been here. Without your giving, we can't we can't see or know these results. So, therefore, the children have sent me here to plead with you. Because what happens is that uh, every year, next year, this, this month, next month coming March, November, they will be writing an exam, the grade 7, to go to grade 8. Now, Good Tidings Christian School, Nakonde East, we, we, we don't have an exam center. It's not an exam center school. So we have to look for a place for them to go and write an exam. I tried to look for a school within Akonde. We couldn't find one that could, uh, you know, we could uh, uh, register our children to, to sit for an exam. But uh, thank God we found one outside Nakonde town. I think uh, uh, John knows very well where uh, Nakonde West is. Uh, there's another, from that school, our school uh, is about 10 kilometers where the kids will go and write their exam in November. They are small boys and girls. That obviously, they, they, they can't be walking 10 kilometers every day to go and write an exam. So they have to camp there and sleep there, which is not healthy at all. And therefore, I've come to plead on their behalf that we need a one-by-three classroom block, a new one-by-three classroom block that is going to have uh, uh, 
uh, uh, a room, another maybe we call we call it uh, maybe uh, uh, which is going to have uh, um, what what they call uh, uh, I think it's got a, a bunker, whatever, where they will keep where they keep exams, and then uh, uh, that uh, the, the children will come and write the following day, uh, and the exams are the papers are safe. So this is what the government require for a school to have to be given an ex, uh, an examination center. So once we build a one by three classroom block. It means we have uh, an opportunity of uh, the government to approve our request to, to have an exam center at Gutardin's Christian School, Nakonde East. So it's my prayer that the Lord will touch your hearts and help these kids, help these children. The feeding program has real change. The, the, the children. Some came with malnutrition problems. But now they, you, you saw them dancing there. They look sharp. They can speak good English. You know. They can express themselves. Uh, John Farr was, was here in July. He, when he came, he couldn't speak. He was just crying. Because of what he saw. What he heard the, the children speak. Memory verses. You know, uh, they could cite the Bible from, Je- from, from, Gen- uh, from Genesis to, to Revelation. These are kids, and this is what they are doing. And all glory and honor goes back to God. And I want to say thank you, Harvest Bible Baptist Church, uh, for the good work that you are doing. We have... Uh, other challenges as a, a school and as a ministry. The setup of this ministry is that uh, where there is a school, there must be a church. Because without the word of God, then the school is nothing. Because the Bible says, seek here first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the rest of all these things shall be added unto you. So the rest of all these things, the schools, whatever I'm talking about, shall be added unto us. So we want to strengthen the, the churches. We have about six churches in Nakonde. But out of those six churches, we have five churches that, uh, schools where we have churches. So it's like we have neglected too much the church and put more effort on the schools. I think I'm called to preach the word, the, the word of God. I'm called to, uh, to teach. If there's anything that uh, God wants us to do, is to, uh, to go out there and teach. Those that will receive the word of God, baptize them. I think that's the calling. It's for us to go out. And make disciples. A church that has no discipleship is a dead church. Members will never grow. And for two years, I've never gone out to teach discipleship. The reason is very simple. 
because we have no transportation. The only time that we have transport is when maybe John comes and uh, Gary come. Then we ask GCMS to come to, to, to Nakonde all the way from Cobra Belt. And why they come? Because the GCMS president is the a, is a chairman of the board. We have a board for the school for the sake of uh, counter-checking and uh, transparency. So we have a board. And then we have also the, the secretary of the board is the, the director of administration for GCMS. So when they come, then we, we thank God that we have transport. We can go around and check on the schools and uh, see the churches. I, I, I know last time when they came in the 20, uh, 2020, uh, Tom and Gary, they preached to some church where we went. We had a, a mean conference there. But it was because GCMS provided transport for us. We need your support. We need your support. Without transport, movements and, uh, to and from one church and to another school will be a big challenge for us. And it has been a big challenge for us. So I'm here to ask you to pray with us and see what God can do for us. We, we are given a mandate to change things at school. Um, the numbers were just too high. I remember when Tom came and uh, Gary came, we had about 298 kids at school because there were also small kids that were, that were attending school uh, in there. And therefore, I was told that we should uh, scale down the number of students. So we removed the kindergarten uh, uh, kids and uh, that gave us to brought the number to 172 pupils. Out of uh, those 172, we have grade one with, uh, uh, we have grade one now, who are 20, uh, grade two, they are 43, grade three, they are 25, grade four, they are 27, grade five, they are 28, grade six, they are 15, and grade seven, they are 16. So these are good numbers, I think. Um, if I have 16 in grade 7, I'm, 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 I'm assured that they will come out with the best results because the teacher will be able to communicate properly and push those that are slow learners. So the whole idea, we, we want to maintain a ratio to 1 to, to 20 for each class. But uh, we'll be getting there. We'll be getting there soon. And therefore, the number stands at 172 pupils as now. That's what, uh, that's what uh, it is now. Nakonde East, it had uh, very ruined uh, infrastructure. The, 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 the buildings were very old, looking very old, because the previous management did not take care of the buildings. But thank, thank you again to Harvest Baptist Church that when uh, Tom came and looked at uh, the buildings and, uh, and Gary, 
they, 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 they came up with some recommendations and uh, they wanted me to, do, to bring in some changes, which I did. And thereafter, they, you sent us some money to paint and to repair and to buy desks you know, uh, for the kids, uh, tables for the teachers, chairs for the teachers, because we had kids sitting on the floor. But they no longer sit on the floor now. They are sitting on the benches, very nice uh, benches. The teachers got a table and a chair. They, they are very happy because of what you have been supporting the church. Thank you for your giving. I would be wrong to not to say something about the other school that always touches my heart. I said this school is Nantimwa Gutadings Christian School as well. It runs from one grade one to grade seven. There's no feeding program there, but I want to thank Brother John here, John Farr, that by the grace of God, he manages to pay the teachers in these five schools. He raises money to pay the teachers in these five schools. And there is no feeding program in these schools at all. But Nantimbua scores almost like Nakonde East with the results. 100% passing mark. It's a good school. I'm asking the pastors in here today, Please, we are asking you, help us. Help this school. It has kids who stay in the village. It's somewhere in the village. And uh, poor parents, some are orphans, some are you know, less privileged children. So with, with a blessing from God, we have doctors, we have pilots, we have ministers, but it, it all comes back to the support. So I'm here to ask you that please help us. At Nakonde East, we, we are asking for one by three classroom block with a strong room where I will be keeping uh, the exam papers and also to make it, it will be easy for our children to write the exam at our school. And, and, and again, our school, uh, 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 government can, uh, can recommend us to how to go up to grade 9, the junior level, before they go to grade 10. If we can put up a one-by-three classroom block, that's what the government wants. And our school is registered with the, uh, with the government now, with the means of education. Um, I'm in the process of getting the titles for the, for the school, Nakonde East, uh, as I'm speaking to you right now, uh, the file is in Lusaka, in the Ministry of Lands. When I get back to Lusaka, I'll go back to the Ministry of Lands trying to push so that uh, we can have the titles uh, for, for Nakonde East. That gives you the guarantee that uh, it is your property. I know one will come and grab it from you. And uh, that assures you that even your investment in this school is not going to the West at all. I want to emphasize on the, the need of the churches to be helped. Uh, we have in Chosi a very strong church. 
I'm sure John when he came like July they saw the ch- they saw the church and 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 the Gary it's, it's, it's a big church and they are building right now they are, it's on the roof level but uh, they don't have capacity to put the roof on that church all what they need is the roof the roofing sheets the, the plants maybe the window the window frame the doors that's all that's all what they are asking for they have already built a big church it's it's a good church and I'm praying that uh, if we have Sunday school teachers here, when you come to Nakonde next year, we want you to come and see this church. We want to organize a Sunday school, uh, 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 maybe seminar. You come and teach our, our Sunday school teachers. You come and teach our, our children, maybe for three days or four days. That's, that's what we are trying to plan. But this comes down again to transportation. We don't have. It will be very difficult for me to organize, to do these things. I would not uh, uh, do justice if I don't uh, thank God for what he has been doing in my life. Um, As you heard, I lost my wife two years ago. Uh, being in marriage for 44 years was not easy to remain a bachelor. Okay? So I take care of myself. I do cook. I clean my house in Nakonde. I do everything basically alone. Um, I think there was a purpose why the Lord uh, uh, saw it fit to, to take my wife away. You see, my wife was sick with the diabetes and uh, she had a condition of uh, BP, high blood pressure. So most of the time I used to take care of her. If, if she was still alive that time, I wouldn't have gone to Nakonde at all. I was going to say, no, I can't go because my wife is sick. But God knew about it. When am I to say no? This year in December, I'm making 68 years of age 68 God has been faithful to me and I thank God for this life I agreed to go to Nakonde because God said so that I'm not done with you I'm not finished with you why I'm leaving is because there is a purpose why God has kept me up to date. Why you are living? Because there's a purpose that God wants you to do in your life. God wants to use you. If you can't give, these missionaries will not go. But if you give, where you can't go, these men will go. And I think that's what God wants us to do. So, your, your, your giving to support this school has been a great blessing to the children. And we look forward that the church will continue to bless Nakonde East, good, Christian, uh, good, uh, good Tidings Christian School. 
And I'm looking forward to see some of you next year to Nakonde. So that you can come and see for yourselves that there's a need to support the ministry in Nakonde. I wouldn't just leave this uh, place without uh, preaching to you in music. I want to sing a song. I want to sing a song. This song was composed and written by my young brother, Pastor Ken Mwansa. He's a pastor. He's a talented young man. He's a writer. He's a composer. He wrote this song in 1978 when we are singing as a group called the Golden Voices Quartet. Uh, we, are, we were privileged at that time to have a missionary called Fred, uh, Fred Allen, who was the director of music. So I want to read uh, two verses, three verses here. I'm, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible reads, Moreover, moreover uh, between, I mean, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, accordingly to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, accordingly to the scriptures. Jesus came and emptied himself, became a man, a servant of all. He gave up his life. For the cross, he gave up his life. Am I right? Oh, yes. Jesus came and emptied himself, became a man. A servant of all, he gave up his life for the cross. Oh, why, oh, why did my Jesus die? Why did he leave his throne? Is it 
because he had nothing to do, no, because of your sins, Jesus died. Oh, yes, my pastor, because of your sins, Jesus died. Oh, why, oh, why did my Jesus die? Why did he leave his throne? Is it because he had nothing to do? Oh, no. Because of my sins, Jesus died. My pastor, my brother, the day of salvation is today. Give up yourself and money and let Jesus Control your life. Give up yourself and money and let Jesus control your life. Oh, why? Oh, why did my Jesus die? Oh, why did he live? Is it because he had nothing to do? No, because of our sins, Jesus died. Oh, yes, my missionary, because of your sins. Jesus died. Oh, yes, my sister, because of our sins, Jesus Boy, I praise the Lord for the gospel. Praise the Lord for what Jesus Christ did. Praise the Lord for what he's doing around the globe because uh, this church and because of your willingness to give. I, I just want to close in a word of prayer. Uh, I want to give you a, a chance to respond tonight. Boy, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if, you don't, if you've never trusted him for eternal life, man, let it be tonight. Song said it beautiful. Let's 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 all stand and let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. God, I thank you. What a blessing to hear from these men and these ministries that we've supported for so long. God, it's a it's a fresh word from afar. Uh, we feel full and we thank you for what you're doing, your faithfulness to us. Holy Spirit, we ask if there's anyone here that doesn't know you. Oh, Lord, it's because of our sin you died. Let tonight be that night. Let it be that night that all things become new because of Jesus. 
Uh, Lord, draw men to you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for this week. We thank you for all that you're doing. Pray your blessings uh, on all of our speakers. Show, I pray you show favor to all of our members that they're able to come out each night. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.